SubliminalSF.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.SubliminalSF.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy. And this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at Podcasts. PCRcollective.org. So come live or listen later or to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up again. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, you got it. I got it. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Monday. It's 8 o'clock. It's Friday night. What does that mean? It's time for Pam Tassie's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. Yay! I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, hanging out with you guys all night. Great show tonight we have for you. It's called Oh My DUI. And uh, all the comedians you guys are going to see tonight, almost all of them, have had DUIs. Uh, we have a couple comedians ahead of the DUI people who've had near misses and crazy things happen. And uh, they're going to do jokes for you guys. Our first comedian of the night, hilarious guy, he runs drunk, uh, filmdrunk.com. He has a great podcast called The Fraudcast. You guys, if you haven't listened to it, you need to go and listen to it immediately, right now. Leave Mutiny Radio and go find the Frotcast and listen to all the wonderful episodes with your first comedian of the night. Put your hands together. I'm going to get everybody from outside to come inside. Don't worry. Hey, everybody. It's Vince Mancini. Yay! Yes, I'm applauding myself. I'm the, I'm the only one in the room. It's just... Just like, just like my sex life. Only one in the room clapping my hands together, trying to get off. That's, that's what I do. All right. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you guys. I appreciate everybody coming in the room. 
for me. Um, you guys, the other night I met a girl at a bar and she told me that uh, she bleaches uh, assholes for a living. And I was like, what about nice guys? <laughs> all right, all right. Got them warmed up now. Um, so I, I like to make fun of tech people like everybody else in San Francisco likes to do. But recently one of my friends started working at Salesforce, and now I have so much more material. I'm getting all the inside dope. Like, did you guys know that uh, the CEO of Salesforce, he moved to Hawaii, and now he signs all his emails aloha, and that at Salesforce, this is true, the bathrooms are not men and women, it's called kane and wahine, and instead of bonuses, you make kokua, which is the most annoying thing in the world. Um, the company has 21,000 employees. Can you imagine if you could just make like 21,000 people live inside your shitty like one semester study abroad affectation for their entire working lives? It's pretty great. Like all these tech companies are basically all like the world's shittiest summer camp where there's like a, you get graded on how well you do the theme and I think, they think there's like a pillow fight and some ping pong games. Like I want to have uh, I want to have like an ISIS theme tech company. You think that would think that would fly? Or like, oh, I'm sorry, you're in a board meeting. Like, whoa, easy there, Susan. Negativity is haram during jihad sessions. <laughs> I'm gonna bring up our martyr of the month, Dave, for handling the Fisher account. Everybody, give it up for Dave. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my ISIS theme tech company. I don't know what it's going to be called yet. Um, if you guys are wondering what you're looking at here, this is what happens when you're not quite dumb enough to be a meathead and you're not quite smart enough to be an intellectual. You just get, you just get a dude. Like sometimes I'll think to myself, dude, I wonder when Eve Six is getting back together. It's a thought that I have. I'm the kind of person that I listen to NPR every day, even though I kind of hate it. That's something I do. Like, as a liberal arts major, I can't resist it. But as someone who went to public school, I kind of want to put all the DJs in a trash can. That's, <laughs> that's a very love-hate relationship that I have with NPR. Just want to put them in a trash can and kick it down some stairs. But I love their content. All right. Um, so Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, as you guys all know. Pretty great, right? Weird, no applause break for that one. All right, um, a lot of people compare Donald Trump to Hitler, uh, which I think is true, he's kind of Hitler-like. But Donald Trump seeming like Hitler kind of makes me wonder if 30s Germany had a Ted Cruz who was even shittier than Hitler. <laughs> like I always used to think they just picked Hitler off the rack. Well, he was, you know, there's probably some other shithead who was even worse. Hitler was was probably the lesser of two e evils. <laughs> There's some other guy with a, a stupid face that kind of looked like a flesh-colored beanbag chair. <laughs> anyway, I think he had some good ideas. Um, Hitler. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't have some good I think I like living in San Francisco, but I feel like people are, people are a little too woke sometimes. Too many, a little too woke. Like, I can't even celebrate Cinco de Mayo anymore. Or at least not like I used to. Like, I'm not allowed to wear a sombrero and my bandolero made out of shot glasses. That's not, that's not allowed. That used to be theme appropriate, and now it's cultural appropriation, apparently. Which is unfair, because first of all, as white people, 
Our culture is appropriation. That, that's perfectly thematically appropriate. A sombrero, you think Mexicans invented the sombrero? That's a wide-brimmed hat. White people invented those to keep our foreheads from getting sunburned as we traveled south appropriating foreign lands. I'm just honoring my ancestors. I'm just saying our culture is kind of shitty, so maybe be cool about us borrowing yours from time to time. That's all. All right. Um, you guys ever think that uh, basset hounds are just corgis that got addicted to heroin? They're just corgis that need some smack. All right. I'm um, Vince Mancini. Thanks a lot, you guys. All right, here we all are in Pampiasis Comedy Clubhouse. Tonight's special theme, Oh My DUI! Oh My DUI! Yay! I have a DUI. It enriched my life in ways I had never thought possible. So excited. Changed my life and enriched it in impossible, amazing ways. We're going to hear stories tonight from people who have all been enriched. Uh, or de-riched, because it costs about 10 grand. It's an expensive little pastime, drunk driving, let me tell you. Uh, Before we get to that, we have two comedians from L.A. Yeah! They have not had DUIs, but they have had near-close brushes with drunken debauchery, and they have saved themselves, and they are going to tell us our pre-warnings and how we can not be uh, disgusting human beings and get DUIs. Uh, it's, it's really a shameful, wonderful thing you're going to hear about tonight. I can't wait to tell my story. But before we get to everything, we sing a little song. And if you know how it goes, sing along with me. And if you don't, you'll figure it out. M-U-T-I-N-Y, comedy, clubhouse, comedy. Clubhouse. Comedy. Clubhouse. Together we will bring our jokes up high. Hi, hi, hi. God, I love those granddaddy cookies, you know what I'm saying? M-U-T-I-N-Y, comedy clubhouse. You want to come inside my clubhouse? Yay! Yay! I am so excited for our guest comedians tonight from L.A. All the way, all the way out from L.A. You guys are going to welcome your first comedian. Clap your hands like you've never clapped him before. For Paige Weldon! How are you? Are you good? <laughs> no problem. Um, so, I have not had a DUI, but I've sure slept in my car to not get them a lot. And um, do you guys, does anyone have a friend that they only fuck on holidays? Does anybody have a? <laughs> you're drunk, you're, you're lonely. Two Fourth of Julys ago, I had such a friend who we had hooked up that New Year's. We were surely going to hook up at this party. We ended up at a party full of bros in Venice Beach. I don't know if you can see me, but I'm not a bro. I'm not a bro. I did my best to have fun, which means I got there. I did as many shots as possible. And then I took my friend, who I fuck on holidays, to the alley. And I did have him finger me in the alley, as <laughs> as you do. Now, I was there with two other friends, these two girls I was there with, and 
Here's the part of the story I don't remember. Somehow, <laughs> somehow at some point, me and my friend decided, oh, we'd better get out of this alley. Let's go get my friend Rachel's car keys. What? <laughs> Why was that our choice? I don't know. I honestly don't remember if we got the car keys because we were going to go fuck in the car or if we had some other plan. I, I don't know what happened. But Rachel saw me as I was and said, sure, of course, <laughs> and gave me the car keys. I left her and my friend Logan back at the party. And we went super far away to her car because uh, it's Venice Beach. I don't know if you all know, but people want to park near the beach. And it's tough over there. We walked really far away. And we got to the car where we sloppily made out until we realized that neither of us had a condom. Now, I'm not opposed to a good raw dog situation <laughs> in the right setting. But I'm certainly not about to deal with someone's cum in my friend's car. I'm just <laughs> not going to explain that stain to her. So what happens is we decide, oh, let's not. Let's just apparently fall asleep for an hour. <laughs> uh, we fell asleep for an hour and woke up and thought, oh, no, we got to get back to our friends. We have the car keys. Apparently my friend's uh, jacket is also back at the house. So we'd wander back, and the door is locked. No one is around, and we start to panic. We don't know what to do. I call my friends who are inside the party, and neither of them answer. I don't know what to do. I think, well, certainly Rachel wouldn't have just left without her car keys. Maybe she would have. She's not picking up. She's not picking up. Someone wanders out onto the balcony. A bro wanders out <laughs> onto the balcony, to be specific. And I see him, and I, I shout out to him, hey, hey, I'm sorry we were at the party earlier, but it's 4th of July in Venice Beach. I look like a crazy person. <laughs> I was at your party, I swear. <laughs> I absolutely swear. So he kind of ignores me. I see a couple more bros come out onto the balcony. I keep shouting up to them. And eventually they look over, and they shout down. They go, hey, what, you know, what's up? I say, hey. Hey, bro, what's up? My, uh, my friends are inside. I have one of their car keys. And also, my friend here, his, he's left his, his coat inside. Can we come up and take care of these two problems? And he was like, mm, I don't know. Are you sure you were at this party? <laughs> at this point, I'm sober, and I'm pissed. <laughs> yes, I was at the party. He didn't believe me. He goes, who do you know here? And I said, the friend who invited me, this guy, John, I said, John. He goes, John's asleep. You should take off. <laughs> I'm not here to see John. I'm here to take care of my two problems <laughs> that I described. And uh, what happened was uh, the bros went back and conferred, and they kept coming back with questions, <laughs> with new questions. They came back, and they were like, all right, well, what's your other friend's name? <laughs> I said, Rachel. They went back, they yelled Rachel into the room, no response. I said, well, what about Logan? Same situation, they like went back, no response. I later found out that was because they were both just fully passed out on the couch, 10 feet away from where that bro was yelling their names, but they couldn't be bothered to wake up. 
So they came back. They asked more questions. They said, um, so what's the other thing you wanted? The jacket. There's a jacket in there. Can you describe <laughs> the jacket? <laughs> it's, it's like a white blazer. This is my friend. This is why I only fuck this friend on holidays. Because <laughs> he would wear a white blazer. <laughs> they come back out. We don't see it. This is definitely in there. <laughs> they come back. They finally find it. They drop it down to us. And they go, all right, we'll see you later. That was only one of our problems. We have to still solve the second problem. I have my friend's car keys. I can't leave without her. So they go back, and they eventually decide, they send out the head bro again, and he goes, all right, we're going to let you in. Meet me down there. He comes down, and he reveals to me that my friends are passed out on the couch. He's like, I think your friends are asleep on the couch. I'll let you in, but you have to take them. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. I go in, and sure enough, they are asleep on the couch. I shake them awake. I go, we have to go. And they go, it's fine, just leave us here. <laughs> I say, you can't, you're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> this man wants me to take you with me. So they, um, they wake up, as they're waking up, I go and I'm like leaning on the island in the kitchen of this like beautiful, weird Venice house. And the head bro is also there. I look over and he is eating a string cheese. <laughs> I go, is that a string cheese? He says, yes. I say, could I have one? <laughs> and he gave me one. <laughs> so I got a string cheese. I took my friends. I went home. I fucked my friend, my other friend. And then the next day, uh, a guy I had been flirting with on and off for like a few weeks asked me out on a date. I dated him for a year. And then I stopped, and I'm proud to say that this 4th of July, I've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to start fucking forward <laughs> and break the tradition. Okay, that's it. Thanks. Paige Weldon fucking forward. That's right. I love it. You got to make t-shirts. <laughs> Pitch Weldon fucking forward. Yay, LA. I know which um, you were talking about. You were talking about Shotwell. It was the alley that you got finger banged in. It's the one that's like there's the ocean and then that that um, that 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 uh, sidewalk and then there's houses and then there's there's that alleyway and then there's stuff and that's called Shotwell. <laughs> My friend used to live on that street, so I am very familiar with it. I never got finger banged in it, so kudos. Very nice. Yeah, someday. Uh, yay! Your next comedian is also from like when you had to walk all the way to Culver City to find your car. I mean, you had to walk all the way. See, I know that part of town. <laughs> sorry, you had to go all the way to Tico's Tacos. <laughs> sorry. My friend used to live in Venice. Try to throw out the things when you can. Your next comedian is also from LA, and I don't think her last name is real. Is it really, or it's a stage name? It's real. It really is. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, then your next comedian got named by her parents, Ellie McEllerson. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty close. And I just, now my stage name is Ellie McEllerson for sure. 
For sure. Who here's had a DUI? Yeah? Who here's definitely driven drunk? All of you. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> I've driven drunk um, three times, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, the first time was in high school um, where I got, um, do you know the phrase, just the tip? Um, <laughs> just the tip has never made sense to me. It's like, you're there. The tip is the fount of disease and unwanted pregnancy. Like, put it all in. But I got just the tip because the police broke up this high school party. And so he was like on top of me, just the tip. And then the police were there. And he was like, can you drive? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was super drunk. I drove his minivan full of drunk high schoolers back to a second party location. I was so cool. <laughs> Um, so that was the first time, no problems there. Um, and I also remember walking by a police officer, but I was so drunk that I was just like, everyone was running and I was just walking calmly. Um, and it worked. And I mean, I think that the, the connective theme throughout all these stories is just like, I'm a semi-cute white girl and things work out, you know? <laughs> um, the second time I drove drunk was um, uh, Halloween of 2013. I was dressed as a sexy magician, and um, obviously I got asked to be part of a threesome. Um, and uh, I'm not gay at all, um, but uh, I was, I've always been curious. I think women are really beautiful, but um, we started having a threesome, and, and the guy part of the threesome was like a couple who asked me, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she, she was beautiful and stuff, but he was so overwhelmed by the whole situation, he couldn't stay hard. And so I basically just had sex with a girl and um, was terrified of that. Um, I don't know if you've ever looked a vagina in the eye, um, but it's jarring the first time. <laughs> you know, like, because I never thought it would be too much, because I'm pretty good at this. Um, but it's like if you're a blind man and, like, the world is beautiful, you've, like, figured out how to do things and, like, the, the wind is divine on your face, and then all of a sudden you can see and you find out the world is full of trash <laughs> and, like, extra flaps, you know, that you didn't know existed. Um, so yeah, so that wasn't great, but she left to go vomit. Um, and as soon as she left, the boyfriend got like all into it, and um, we basically had sex without her knowing, so that's for sure cheating. Um, and so I got out of there, and I drove drunk, um, um, for sure, <laughs> home from that. I was not gonna like have this like weird like family bed cuddle in the morning, <laughs> you know? We didn't, we didn't experience it that way, I just like, I basically like had them both cheat on each other with me uh, is what happened. Um, very cool, thank you. Um, but finally, I uh, didn't get caught, don't know how. Um, um, finally is the third one where uh, I definitely should have gotten a DUI. And the third time I drove drunk uh, was my worst bomb ever. Um, are most of you comics in here? Um, how does bombing feel? Super bad. Oh, it feels so bad. I don't do it that often, um, but so it's jarring when it happens. And um, I, I go, I run a show at this like dive bar in Covina, California, which if you're not familiar with the greater Los Angeles area, it's a nightmare town. Um, it's this like weird suburb. Um, 
and uh, we're right across the street from a sizzler that lost its liquor license, um, and it's cash only. <laughs> so that's the vibe. I, I love it. I love it with my whole heart, but bombing at the Chatterbox in Covina is painful. Um, and so I, I did this I did this set that night. Um, I don't normally drink before sets, but like, I don't know, something was in the air, Travis the bartender was like making cool drinks and I ended up being really drunk and I'm just not good at comedy drunk, I'm just not. I need to know what my words are, I'm not an improviser, you know what I mean? Um, and so I got up there and like literally couldn't find a punchline the whole time, bombed so hard, wanted to die. Uh, so subsequently I ended up doing Jameson shots um, after my bomb because I needed to forget. Um, and a thing about me is I'm incredibly uncoordinated. I'm like a, I'm like a fun, um, I'm like a, I'm like a fun manic pixie dream girl type person who just will like fall on her face and somehow it makes you love me. Um, um, and so, and so I kept on spilling the Jameson shots like half in my mouth and half on my like jeans and shirt. <laughs> um, and uh, and then I decided to drive 30 miles back to Los Angeles. <laughs> Um, I didn't even get out of Covina before someone pulled me over. Go figure. <laughs> um, um, I, I've never been, the, all the times I've been pulled over, I've cried and gotten out of it. Semi-cute, girl. Thank you so much. Oh, there you go. I hope you do not drive because what happened was I got pulled over um, and the cop comes up to my window and he goes, ma'am, have you been drinking? And I go, I had two beers at 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. It was 11 p.m. <laughs> um, and he goes, that's interesting because you reek of whiskey. <laughs> And I said, no, 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 I can explain. Other people were taking shots and they spilled them on me. <laughs> and he goes, and I, I would love for someone to verify or, or, or debunk this for me. He goes, there's a different smell for whiskey that's been ingested versus whiskey that's been spilled. Yes? What? I was like. Okay, but I had gum. <laughs> Why can't gum solve, you know? I mean, I also was probably like, uh, you know. Um, so he goes, it smells different, get out of the car. And I'm like, you can't cry yet, because that's a drunk bitch thing to do. <laughs> I would not be able to pull it off. Well, and um, like I said, I'm uncoordinated. And so he starts doing the things, and he, he does the thing where you follow his finger. Um, and he didn't give me real instructions, so I start doing this. You know? <laughs> and you're just supposed to do it with your eyes. I know, so I feel like it would have gotten a bigger laugh if everyone knew that that was just with your eyes. <laughs> but it's not obvious. Um, so I go, you didn't tell me. And he was like, stop with the attitude. And I was like, you don't like me. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so that happened, and then I had to do the this thing. Um, very hard for me, as you can see right now. Um, and I had to do the this thing, and the whole time I was fucking it up, partly because I was drunk, and partly because I was nervous and about to cry. <laughs> um, and at the end of the thing, he goes, I want you to take a breathalyzer test. And immediately, like, the voice of my, like, um, like very intense father was in my brain. And he goes, never take a breathalyzer test on the street. And I was like, I'm 
never supposed to take a breathalyzer test on the street. My dad said. Um, and I think I said it with enough like shitty white girl like confidence that he was like, okay, you didn't do well, but I'm gonna let you go. And I drove 30 miles back to Los Angeles. No one died. Okay, thank you so much. Escapes DUI. Yes. Perfect opener for this. Yes. Yes. Nearly escapes. She is white enough to nearly escape. No, it's it's good. I I nearly escaped for mine, except that my car had been flipped three times. So they were like, they were like, honey, we just dug you out of this car. You're not. We're taking you to jail. I was like, oh, fair enough. We'll get to that later. Uh, your first DUI story of the night. I am so excited to hear. Uh, what happened in his life? Is this is this what brought you to comedy? Is this what made it all go wrong? Who or all go right? All go right. Yes. I say the DUI is the catalyst for beautiful and wonderful life change. You know, I'm gonna feel Tony Robbins about this shit right now. Yeah, this is a change in life, and your next comedian's gonna tell us all about it. Clap your hands wildly. It's Tito Gonzalez. <laughs> Yes. I, actually, dude, I think if the DUI didn't happen, I probably wouldn't have started doing stand-up comedy. Like, seriously. Just, like, just being all pissed off and shit, dude. Like, I don't know. I was going the wrong way, apparently. At least, I don't know. That's what the cops said. That's... No. Nah. <laughs> but no, like, growing up, like, I, I was always influenced by what I saw on TV and what I grew up around. And I grew up around my grandpa watching NASCAR. Okay. And, like, I wanted to be a race car driver. Like, that's what originally I wanted to be. Like, that's what I wanted to be. But I was like, well, I'm not white and privileged. <laughs> so I can be an alcoholic. I can <laughs> do that. I can do that very easily. <laughs> but, like, that part of me that wanted to, like, you know, drive cars fast never really grew out of me. You know what I mean? Never really grew out of me, especially when drinking. You know what I mean? Especially when drinking. And that comes out of me a lot, or it used to when I was drinking. And I, here's the thing. I have, I have, some of my closest friends are the most sober friend, like sober people possible. And you think they'd be like a good influence, but they're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the first time, look, <laughs> like I remember being pretty drunk and looking at my friend being like, hey, you want to sleep over? You want to race to my house? My other friend was sober and he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's... <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I just killed a six-pack, and you washed me down all six beers. Like, you don't give a shit about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you want to race home? Yeah. Like, really, that's not a good friend. You know what I mean? That's a shitty friend, dude. Like, fast forward five minutes later, I'm in my neighbor's friends. <laughs> and it's not, it look, like... Crashing into your neighbor's fence is never a fun experience. But if you're going to crash into your neighbor's fence, you better hope that he's the drug dealer on the block. Because <laughs> he's not going to call the cops. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what you want. I lucked out. Thank God I grew up in South Berkeley. <laughs> Look, if you're going to crash into your neighbor's fence, it's got to be your drug dealer's house. Because they're not going to call the cops. And <laughs> so I, cr I crash into my neighbor's house. I pull the car out. No one knows yet. I'm like, fuck, I hope my mom didn't wake up. <laughs> I park the car. I go into my room. 
and I'm just sitting in my room in the dark with my friend who just raced with me. Sober, fuck him, shitty friend, right? And we're just like, fuck, I hope no one knows. Two seconds later, I hear a knock on the door, and I'm like, fuck, it's the cops. It's definitely the cops. Nah, it's South Berkeley. It's my neighbors. It's my neighbors. They're not happy. They're not happy. <laughs> and my neighbors are like the biggest drug dealers on the block, which is good for me in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I step outside, big ass black dude with dreads. He's like, hey, man, seriously? <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to. And he's like, hey, man, why didn't you come and tell me this is my mama's house? And I was like, <laughs> it's like, why are you still living at your mama's house? You know? <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking, right? <laughs> but he was like, you, you weren't going to tell me? And I was like, I don't know. I figured you'd figure it out, right? Like, your neighbors, I mean, your fans is fucked up. My car is fucked up. My mama's car is fucked up. Your mama's fans is fucked up. <laughs> I think you'd figure this out. <laughs> right? Like, you know, add one two together. And that's when I got punched in the face. <laughs> Very well deservedly by a big black guy. But that that's... That's what's cool, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to fuck something up, you, f you fuck up a drug dealer's house, right? Because they're not going to call the cops, right? They're just going to punch you in the face and tell you're an idiot, right? Like, I'm so glad that happened, you know what I mean? And you think, like, that would be enough to, like, have me stop drinking and driving. But no, guys. <laughs> Mama didn't race no quitter, guys. <laughs> A couple of months later, I find myself blackout drunk, uh, street racing once again, right? Because it turns out you don't need to have other people to race, right? <laughs> you can time attack, guys. You beat your own score. <laughs> I guess video games really did influence me. You guys played Need for Speed? <laughs> so... Uh, I, I'm street racing, I guess, myself. <laughs> you know, um, cops show up, same deal. Um, there was other people there, but uh, the other guys that were there were dumb enough to burn out and speed off a different way. I, I was like face-to-face -face with a cop, dude, like face-to-face, -face, like shit-waste in a street racing like scene, and the cops like, go home, and I was like, yep. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and like, another dude does a burnout, they chase him. And I was like, cool. So I get in my car. Instead of driving like a normal person, I speed off. I speed off, and I'm like, ah, got to get away. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and here's the thing. Here, when a road curves, <laughs> you should probably be looking where you're going. <laughs> right? And I didn't do that. I was looking in my rear mirror watching if the cops were coming after me. So... <laughs> What happens, I hit the curb, <laughs> car goes up in smoke, and you know how like, some kids are smart enough to like, call their mom before they go out and drink and drive? <laughs> I like called my mom after, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, hey mom, look, my car's in smoke, and she's like, you know, why, what's, all, what's with the heavy breathing? I'm like, I'm trying to run, because I see the cops coming. <laughs> <laughs> Look, pick me, uh, pick me up at checkpoint A. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's what I realized. Like, dude, like this is a constant pattern, dude. I can't figure this out. Like, I keep crashing my cars. You know what I mean? But like, this is how stupid I am. Instead of being like, yo, I should stop drinking and driving. I'm like, I'm gonna be a mechanic. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like. <laughs>
I'm gonna figure out how to solve this, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not gonna stop drinking. <laughs> right, because mama didn't race no quitter, guys. <laughs> Shitty story. I, um, but no, when it, fi- when it finally happened, I, I, no, not for both of those situations. I got away from both those situations. And in both those situations, cops were present. In the first one, in the first one, I didn't say I didn't know how to make it into the story. But in the first one, a cop flew right past me after I was in the fence, <laughs> and the cop went right past me. And the the first time, like there was cops there, they showed up to bust the street racing scene, and they were like, you know, like, hey, go home. So this third time, I go to a rave, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I didn't get to dance with any chick, and I was pissed. <laughs> and this, this girl meets with me outside, and she's like, hey, come to the after party. Come with me. And I was like, cool. Like, I didn't see her with the lights on. That's the problem. <laughs> so I drive to this after party. I saw her with the lights on. I was like, this is no good. So I left, and I'm by myself, by myself, kind of drunk, you know, and I went to a rave, and I'm speeding down the, the highway, and I get pulled over, speeding. And I'm like, this is it, the lights are there. And here's the thing, and like, you know, like DUIs are a terrible, terrible, terrible experience. But like, when it happened to me, I'm grateful because I was on ecstasy. (laughs) 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 And it was such a good experience. (laughs) The cops pulled me over and they were like, man, you're the nicest kid we had all night. I was like, I know, officer, I love you guys. <laughs> you guys are doing a great thing. <laughs> I love the red and blue lights. <laughs> and like the cool thing was like, like being a minority in like a lowered car being an idiot, they were still like cool with it because I was on ecstasy. <laughs> so <laughs> be on ecstasy. <laughs> and, you know, like I think that's pretty much the end of my story and uh, I, I don't know. So, uh, don't get a DUI, guys. Tito Gonzalez! The first two narrow scrapes with DUI did not deter him from getting the very happy third. Very, it's always good. Um, the last time that's happened to me is I came out of a, a out of a porta potty at Burning Man, and I said, "Thank God I was on ecstasy, because I wouldn't have been able to handle that shit. I couldn't have done it. Can't poop in front of people, you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, but ecstasy makes everything so much better, doesn't it? Instead of a happy DUX, I'm sure you you'd be like, uh, give me a, give me the phone number, man. I'll call and give them the thing. Tell you guys, tell them how great you guys are doing. Like I'll answer any survey. Yeah." <laughs> You guys were great. You, the handcuffs barely hurt at all. And they zip-tied me. I didn't even get the handcuffs because I'm, I'm white. <laughs> See, they, they get special treatment. Just zip-ties. They didn't even take my phone away. We'll get to that later. Your next comedian. He has a story about getting a DUI, and I never would have thought it from this man, this family man, this wonderful human being, but he's got a story for us. You guys are going to love it. Clap wildly. It's Ed Wallach. So, you know, 
I've got a lot of actual DUI stories, but only one actual recorded certified DUI that I qualified for. So, and I paid a lot for it, just like a basically like a Microsoft certification. It was fucking costly, and the, but at least I don't have to keep it updated. Uh, the the DUI stories I've lived in. Let's see, Indiana, Nebraska, Texas, Ohio, Oklahoma, uh, Kentucky. New Orleans, which is in Louisiana, and uh, Florida, drunk driven in every fucking one of them, and only gotten a DUI in Florida. So basically, the one eye depth perception maneuver works at a ratio of about 300 to 1. <laughs> but um, the drunk driving story actually involves the creature who I'm divorcing. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was before the marriage, so it was many, many moons ago back when there was still sex involved and I was being emotionally manipulated. But I suffered from PTSD since I was 14 because my mom shot her second husband. So to, for me to not please a woman has serious consequences. And um, so I'll, I'll hang in there and put up with a lot of shit, a lot more than the average Joe, basically. And... Uh, <laughs> Actually, one of my really good DUI stories involves before I got divorced from the creature, but no, I, okay, so the DUI, uh, I, I, uh, it was one of the worst fucking cases of reasons. I've got good reasons to actually drive drunk. I do. There are reasons. I grew up in Florida in the 80s where like a, a fucking bond, I grew up in around Tampa and it was all fucking orange groves and cattle fields back then. You would go out, have a bonfire, and then Florida, those can turn into a fucking really fast, quickly they'll turn into an impromptu fucking clan rally mud bogging event. And there's a re you want to drive away from those. That's a reason. That's a valid reason to do drunk driving is to get away from a Trump slash clan GOP convention. But uh, so the, the worst reason was the time I got the DUI. Friends talked me into going out to get fireworks on the 4th of July. And so we had to drive 25 miles, of course, across fucking Tampa to get to the only place where you could get the illegal fireworks that they specifically wanted. And so we're driving, and I wrecked the creature's car. I rear-ended someone. Uh, we were drinking screwdrivers. They were mixed very liberally, lots of vodka. I was an absolute guy. <laughs> and uh, Florida, orange juice, of course, because we were in Florida. You got to support the local economy. But... Um, <laughs> Which I did to the tune of Hillsborough County. I paid them around roughly $15,000 once the whole thing was over. And including repairing the whole front end of the creature's car and putting in a new engine, which blew up six months later by not putting fucking oil in the new engine. But that's beside the point. Um, so I rear-end this fucking car. Now, my first concern was I hit a big truck and a little fucking Toyota tiny fucking, it looked like a Carmen Ghia, but it was a Toyota with a little fucking top. It was a very cute little girl car. Uh, and so we hit this big truck, the whole front end of her car crumples, and the first thing we, of course, did is start throwing all the vodka into the ditch. Um, <laughs> and I ran up to the people, and I'm like, is everyone okay? Because I was really concerned I am a human being. I didn't want to kill anyone. I was just wanted to drive drunk and get fireworks. And, uh, which seemed valid. It does when you have enough vodka but, um, and weed. But you don't mix in more than anything, no more than two things. If you go to three, 
you're looking at a John Belushi type situation. Once you mix three of anything, you're a dead fucking shit. It's not good. So uh, unless you mix in LSD, but that's okay. But uh, it's got to be good LSD with no strychnine because that causes joint pains. And then you're going to know how a rat feels when it dies. <laughs> Not what you want. That's why I, know, I really always got to know the chemistry majors at USF. That's how you got the good, clear, clean, chemically pure LSD, no strychnine. Just a tip. <laughs> Berkeley's close. Lots of PhDs in Berkeley. But uh, anyway... So that was the time I got the LSD. A buddy of mine bail got me bailed out, and I repaired all that shit. But other drunk driving stories, I have many. Uh, one of my favorite is, uh, let's see, 1997. Uh, I only got that one DUI, by the way. It's been 26 years, so I did learn. Um, but 1997, I was on Prozac. Thanks to you military doctors for giving the maximum amount of Prozac to a depressed person, but no therapy. <laughs> and these were the early days of therapy of Prozac, so you know, I found out I'm one of those lucky people that Prozac causes multiple suicidal thoughts. <laughs> and I went on a little road trip <laughs> with a quarter pound of weed and uh, a case of beer. <laughs> I ended up out near, I drove from, let's see, Lawton, Oklahoma, Fort Sill, hoorah. Uh, to Area 51, naturally. <laughs> I really did. And I hung out out there near Area 51, out near the extraterrestrial highway with all the people looking at the sky. And every fucking light they see is an alien or fucking certain it's a fucking visitor, which is funny. So I started eventually just pointing out things, saying, oh, look. And they saw them. There's nothing there, but they saw them. So driving back, the drunk part, I had been up about 48 hours straight, driving back from Area 51. I think, okay, I'll drive back to Vegas, crash out for the night. And you see lights for a long, long way in the desert. And I didn't realize how far away I was at one point, and you made me think of this, because I, felt I started doing this bit, falling asleep. Which, of course, you know, to wake up, you... You put in a bunch of Copenhagen in your mouth. You start smoking cigarettes so you don't smoke. You roll down the windows, and then you keep doing this. The next thing I knew, I woke up. All the shit was flying around the car. I was in the ditch. I was ro the car was literally rolling. And my first thought, everything goes, adrenaline hits, and it's all fucking slow motion at that point. It's literally like, a it's like fucking the Watchmen director's cut. Okay? And so... All that shit's flying around, and I'm like, oh, fuck. There's a lot of loose shit in this car. <laughs> that was literally what I thought. So the car lands right side up. Now, the funny thing about the Ford Escort 1997 model, it had a kill switch, supposedly, which is supposed to cut off the fuel and keep you from dying in a fiery crash. That car started right back up after rolling a good three times into that fucking ditch. It didn't fucking stop a goddamn thing. The creature at one point asked me, Aren't you don't you believe in God after surviving that? You know, you survived. You should have fucking died. Don't you believe in God? I said, no, absolutely not. I believe in Bob at the fucking Ford factory who made the automatic seat belt, which automatically came back every time you got in and out of the fucking Prius 1997 and would choke me nine times out of ten when I was getting out faster than that fucker could open. 
But if you're into strangulation, it's a good car for sex. <laughs> Let's see, another enterprising story in my youth in high school, pre statute of limitations have definitely run out on this one. So uh, Florida, me and my enterprising friends, some were rednecks and had trucks. Uh, we came up with a little business. We would go around drunkenly stealing road signs that were requested by people. 69th Street was highly popular. Girls' names for guys' girlfriends. We would drunkenly, we would set up routes. We were enterprising little drunken fucks. We would set up routes so we could most efficiently steal the signs from rural locations. We would get out four guys at a time, crank the fucking signs out of the ground, throw them into the back of the truck. Everyone would jump in. We would, uh, there would be a team in the back of the truck. They would start fucking uncranking the signs apart. We would have the fucking pole, which was about 15 fucking feet long. By the time you pulled it out of the ground, we would have it out of the back of the truck and thrown over into the ditch and just have the signs we wanted. We would charge people $45 a sign because a, a keg was about 50. <laughs> so we would do this on great, great many occasions. And uh, Kevin, well, my friend one time, we were going around a bunch of corners. I was standing, this is a good point for sitting down in the back of a fucking truck and wearing a seat belt, which they don't have in the back of trucks. <laughs> he goes whipping around the corner, I flipped over the side of the truck and my face is about two, two inches, my nose is literally like about a half inch away from the fucking tire. And he didn't stop. <laughs> and yet none of my other friends, there were fucking 10 guys in the back of this truck, literally. Not one of them thought, hey, look at his fucking feet. Straight up in the fucking air, and him holding on by the tips of his fingers like fucking a mountain climber. I don't know a famous one's name to insert here. But no one pulled me back in, and the guy eventually stopped. I flipped off the truck. I just realized there's not a point to that story. <laughs> Much like drunk driving. I have a long list of bad decisions <laughs> made while drunk driving. Let's see. One time we drove drunkenly across the causeway from uh, Clearwater to Tampa. Two of my buddies were drunk in the back. I started doing the nod bit. Almost went off the road the other side of the causeway into the bay. They wake up. I'm sitting there smoking and drinking more. And then my brother threw up all over the guy in the back seat. <laughs> but my friend still loves my brother. So that's what drinking a good bonding experience will do. A good drunk driving, near-death experience. Let's see. Oh, I, let's see. I used to get drunk and pee out of the window of the barracks in my billet. My roommate was not fond of this habit. But I would black out drunk at times. I couldn't help myself. You don't realize it when you wake up. I used to have one friend that had one leg. He lost his leg in an Oregon uh, prison forestry farm. They released him after that, though, so that's the good point. He got an early release. Uh, he used to love my tiny Tim jokes when he was drunk. But he, one time, I was drunk. We were drunk driving. I wasn't driving. He was drunk driving. I was blackout drunk. And I woke up the next day, and my, the girl, my ingenue I was living with at the time, uh, told me, yeah, you were crying like a big fucking baby. The cops were fucking clapping when I came to pick you up. I mean, I just don't even remember this. But my friend was totally hauled away. I had no idea what the fuck happened. But apparently I told the police my entire life story and they were very sympathetic by the time she came to pick me up. So either I was really long-winded and they were tired of my shit or they were I was really fucking good. 
you know? Well, thank you very much. I'm Ed. I got more drugs. Here. of debauchery, yay. Uh, hey, we need to uh, reach out the door for a second and see if, is uh, Roman Leo still out there? Hey, George, is Roman Leo still out there? Hey, George, is Roman Leo still out there? He's not out here anymore. Okay, that's okay. I was gonna give him, no, 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 Ethan's inside. I was gonna give Roman a set if he was still here, but he's not here, so fuck him. Yay, I was gonna let him tell a story, but it's okay. Uh, all right, where we've come to the part of the show where I tell my DUI story. Yay! Yay! Yes, yeah, so my name is Pam Benjamin. And in the spring of 2007, I quit three things. Uh, first, I quit my job in corporate America. I used to work for Ethan Allen. Fuck that bullshit. So I quit that. Uh, and then I quit my husband, cause great, fuck that shit. <laughs> right, am I right? Uh, so after seven years, I quit my job, quit my husband, and then I quit driving cars. But that was the one thing that I didn't quit of my own volition. That was sort of thrust upon me by the state of California and the DMV. They are not gonna ever let me drive a motor vehicle again. Yay! It's, and it really does, it really was a good thing. Like, even going back, I could never parallel park. I sucked. I've never been able to parallel park. Like, I couldn't do it. I was not a good driver. Like, I just wasn't, I have weird death perception. I, I have huge issues about just, like, thinking of hurling yourself through space at 65 miles plus an hour, like, in a metal thing, and everyone else is doing it, too. And we all can move in and out of these lanes, and no one has a problem with it. <laughs> what the fuck are you guys doing? How can you possibly drive a car? I remember when I was being taught how to drive, like at 15, 16, and my dad was like, you have to go faster to get on the freeway. You have to go faster. I was like, I don't even know. Like, getting on the freeway for me as a child was really difficult. It was really, it's still, I'm still afraid of cars. I think that I'm the only sane person. You guys are all the ones that are like, we're drunk all the time, and I'm high. I'm high all the time. And just, I, we're all Prozac, too, and you can't see out of all those blind spots. <laughs> and then there's motorcycles. Everybody's cool with this on the bridge. I don't understand how you do this. It gives me a nervous breakdown every time I have to get on the freeway. I don't drive anymore. Yay! Uh, so the reason that I don't drive is that... Um, I left my husband and my grandmother never liked my husband because he was black and she was a racist. So she was like, I have this car I'm gonna give you. Like, it's really great that you're divorcing your husband. I'm so proud of you. I'm gonna give you my car. It's worth $10,000 Kelly Blue Book. It's really great. She's blind now, she couldn't drive. It was like a 96 Honda Accord, but it had like less than 10,000 miles on it. It was like, sweet car. So I fly up to San Jose. I have a great three days with my grandmother. She ended up dying after that. So we got these really great three days together. It was really nice. We slept in the same bed. You know, she brushes her teeth with baking soda. We're like, really, we're really, we were really close. She's cool. She's a cool old lady. No, no, she was, she was, she grew up in the Depression. So I, you know, and I'm poor. So I really understood her. Anyway, she gave me this car and I'm like, all right, I'm going to drive. So I flew up to San Jose and I was like, I'm going to drive this car back from San Jose back to San Diego where I was living at the time. Uh, and then I think to myself, you know what I can do? I can go through Paso Robles, and I can do some wine tasting on the way down. Oh, this is a great idea. I love wine. So I have 
on the way down, I stop at this little stand and I get two apricots and like 17 cherries and I eat them and I'm like, ooh, breakfast, that's so nice. Uh, and then at 11 o'clock, I went to my first winery and I'm talking to them, ah, ha, ha, and I take pictures, la, 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 taking pictures of the winery, la, la. And then I go to the next one, la, 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 take pictures. So I get to the fourth winery, which is called Gray area, funny enough, uh, and it's in this weird triangle in Paso Robles, and I remember drinking the wine here, I remember drinking, and I remember him giving me the two extra tasting, I was like, I would, you know, I'd really like to try the reserve wine if I could, you know, because I might buy some of this wine, you know. Uh, oh, by the way, in the back of my trunk is um, my grandmother gave me this set of um, a beautiful set of china from 1914 that her father bought over from China from the First World War, and there's an eight-piece set of china in the back of my car. Uh, that's in the that's in the trunk. Uh, also, my computer, other things. So, anyways, I'm drinking la la la. So the last thing I remember is closing the door to this winery. I don't remember getting in the car. I don't remember putting on my seatbelt. Thank God I put on my seatbelt. <laughs> the only way I could figure out and I could piece together what happened in this time frame is that I had this camera and I was taking pictures. So I'm on the freeway and there's a picture of me taking a picture of myself. This is before selfie sticks, everyone. This is like 2007, right? So I'm taking a picture of myself in the car, but it was me driving, but it was of the Bud Light truck in front of me because I guess I thought it was hilarious I've been drinking all this delicious wine and Bud Light fuck them on the road what are they doing ah here's me taking a selfie with the Bud Light truck as I'm driving back so I decide in my drunken state oh you know what I have a great idea this is really dangerous I'm on the 101 and I could die I need to get off in Paso Robles I need to go on the back roads of Los Olivos counties I need to do some fucking sideways kind of shit I'm gonna go over this mountain I've done it before I'm going I'm on the back roads. I start calling people. I have no memory of any of this. This is people telling me this. I call my best friend, Megan. I guess I say to her, it's so good of a day to die. And she's like, get off the road, pull over. And I'm like, I feel great. I've had two apricots and 17 cherries. And like, I've been at four wineries. Life is good. And she's like, pull over. I guess I had a really awesome conversation with my mom that lasted over 55 minutes. I have it on the phone. Talking to my mom on the phone, drunk driving through the back roads of Los Olivos County. So same thing that happened to Tito. The road goes this way. Didn't see that part. Didn't see that part. I went this way. Uh, into a ditch, flip my car three times. It's an empty field, thank God. There was no one else on the road. Uh, everything's great. So I come to out of my blackout. So finally I'm awake, right? The last thing I remember is closing the door at gray area. Now I'm upside down in a car in a field. <laughs> and these guys, these guys, I'm upside down. I'm in like my seatbelt and stuff. And these guys, uh, they open, they dig out the door and they open the door and they help me out. And I say, the first thing I say to them is, don't call the cops. <laughs> And they're like, sweetheart, they're on their way. <laughs> like, you can't, this isn't, uh-uh. It's like, all right, all right. So I'm drunk, I'm fucked up, everything's uh, crazy. I, we end up, the police come, they give me the field sobriety test, I pass it. <laughs> I pass the field sobriety test. And, the, and the, the cop goes, surprisingly, you pass the field sobriety test. I can smell the wine on you. You are, you are obviously drunk. You are, they're like, can we give you a breathalyzer here? I also, my dad said, never take a breathalyzer on the spot. I said, I'm going to wait till I get to the hospital or to the police department because I know you guys are taking me somewhere. They're like, yeah, I'd broken my nose also in this. So I'm bleeding from my nose. So they're like, we're going to like, take you to the hospital. I'm like, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't have any insurance. I can't afford it. I won't let them touch me. Uh, so anyways, I get to the hospital. 
and they put a bracelet on me. I'm like, I don't want this. You touch me. I don't want it. I don't want any of it. The bracelet costs $92, by the way. So the doctor comes out and says, I'm like, don't touch me. I don't want any of your, I have no money. I have no insurance. Don't touch me. He's like, all right, looks like your nose broke. I'm like, duh. All right, take me to jail. Let's go. I'm still drunk. Uh, they didn't take my cell phone away from me, so I'm texting behind my back because I don't have real uh, wristicuffs. I don't. I just have the zip ties because I'm white. So I'm behind my back texting to my then, my not my ex-husband, but my new sort of boyfriend. I'm like, I'm in the back of the police car. I got a DUI. And I'm texting my friends, and they're like, this isn't funny. I'm like, I know, but I'm still drunk. <laughs> so... We get to the police station, and the policeman's like, You're, you seem to be still having a pretty good time. Uh, just so you know, look at that car over there. That person's dead. When you go see your car tomorrow, or whenever you get out, just remember that car. Remember that person's dead in your life. And I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> so then I get into jail, and blah, blah, blah. I'm crying. That, that's when I get sober, and I'm like, I'm a street summer camp counselor. Teach my rap. This must be happening to me. What am I doing? And then they give you phone calls, but you have to know people's numbers, and it can't, you can't call from jail. It only has to be the landlines. You can't call from a jail landline to a cell phone. So I actually cry enough that they gave me my cell phone back, and they let me call people on my cell phone. People are very nice in Los Olivos County when you're white. Uh, when I was in jail, I tried to talk to people because the TV was terrible. It was a warbly WB, and they were like playing like the Gilman Girls or something. I was like, I'm going to kill myself. But um, everyone in the jail cell with me, they were all um, Hispanic, and I think they were prostitutes. I don't know, but I tried to talk to them. They were not into it. Uh, finally, this girl came, and she tried to stab her ex-boyfriend, and then her name was Slate, and she was like, <laughs> we get by last names. We went by last names. So I was Benjamin, she was Slate, and... Uh, and I was like, what did you do? She's like, I tried to stab Max's boyfriend. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I, I don't even know what happened at this point. She's like, I'm really upset because I'm the first person in my family to go to college. And I have a, I have a paper on Descartes that's due on Monday. And I'm never going to finish it. And I was like, do you want to talk about it? I know a little bit about philosophy if you want to. She's like, no, we should go to sleep. Uh, it, was, it was rough. Okay, so here's the, and the, the, these are the cool things that came out of it. One. It took two hours to fingerprint me because I guess I don't have fingerprints. I should be a thief or something. Like, it took them forever. And I, I, if you look at my fingerprints, they're very, you can't even see them. So I should really be a thief. I learned that from them. Uh, and then two, this is crazy. So my car flipped three times and my computer ended up 50 feet away from the car, but it still worked and I used it through grad school. I used it for two and a half years in grad school. The computer that was thrown 50 feet. And I know you're worried about the China set, the eight piece China set. Half of it survived. You've seen the china. Four pieces, four plates, four cups, four tiny Demitas things. All of it, almost all of it. Some of it I had a piece of it. But four out of the eight lived. The car flipped over three times. I, I, how did that happen? Yes. So I didn't lose the china. I didn't, I basically, it didn't cost me that much because my grandma had never signed over the car to me. And then she was cool with... She got the money from it, and then she gave me the money. Okay, so I wrecked the car, and then it was never in my name, because she hadn't put it in my name yet. So she was like, oh, my granddaughter wrecked my car. So she got the $10,000 that the car was worth and gave it to me so that I didn't have to pay for any of the DUI shit. <laughs> it was like a four grand thing, and then it was like another grand thing, and she covered the whole thing, and then she died, and she never shamed me for it, ever. She was just glad that I'd left that black guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 
She was so stoked. And I, I still I still have the china and I use it cuz uh, I live in San Francisco where I don't have a I don't have a watch a dishwasher. So everything has to be washed by hand, so you might as well eat off fine china. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, that's my DUI story. Yay! <laughs> And then I moved to San Francisco, and everything was okay, and I'm never driving again. Yay, Muni, yay! I love riding buses. I never should have driven cars. My boyfriend knows. I am, I am a scary person in a car, let alone drive. I mean, whoo! Your next comedian is, did he just go outside? He did. What is he doing? No, there he is. There he is, that baby angel with his amazing stories. Uh, this man, if you ever want to get sober, I've heard that he has a new program that he's selling. You can hang out with him for 72 hours and you'll never want to drink again. <laughs> you just have to pay for the alcohol and a little bit of his time and he'll make you stop. Uh, he's an amazing human being. I love him to death. You guys are going to love him too. Clap your hands wildly. It's Ethan Albers. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You guys really have some problems, every single one of you. Wow. Add in there just like 26 years of drinking and driving. Like, we get it, dude. You're good, you're good at something. Calm down. Like, we get it. Don't be like that. Bragging, am I right? Like, I don't have a DUI. I'm like, you fools, I ain't gonna win with it. Which is funny, but why did she book me on it? Because I'm a big old drunky drunk. That's why, guys. And I got a good story for you. But I'm a preference this. I'm a preference. I'm not good at drinking, like she said. She's, I've been with Pam before. She, Pam w- uh, witnessed me get chased out of a house but with a woman with a hammer one time. That's the kind of guy I am. That's the kind of drunk I am. This is how bad I am drinking. I got kicked out of a bar in West Oakland one time for aggressively swing dancing. I was like, I'm going to dip you. They're like, get the fuck out, dude. It's hip hop night. I'm like, ugh. I took my top hat and I fucking walked out of that bitch. That's what I did. But I, I had, like, I'm a bad, like, I'm a bad drinker. And, but my whole family are bad drinkers. So this, I promise, I'm around us under a beautiful thing. You guys are going to pick me up and carry me out of there when we're done. I, uh, uh, like, so I was sober there for a while. And um, I went home. The first time I went home to my mom uh, was on my birthday. Um, I was like sober for like a year and a half, and I was like, hey, she knew I was an alcoholic. She knew I'm fucking I'm drinking problem. It's like, mom, listen, uh, I show up. She goes, happy birthday, honey, and she gives me a custom wooden six-pack holder, and I'm like, mom, I'm an alcoholic, and she goes, oh, so you like it then? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I do. My mom was the reason I started drinking again. That was, my mom broke sobriety, not bros, my mom, that's who. But as with all story, all, all good stories, uh, I will start with a Volvo. All good stories start with a Volvo. I had a, Vol- I had a Volvo car that I bought for $200 a tow lot, tow lot. It was a great car. It had no reverse. I bought it from a tow yard. Best first date car ever. I'm that kind of dude. I'd pick a girl up. We'd go out on a date. Guess what? I'm going to pull into a place where I can't back out. Guess who's pushing me out? The girl. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. They love it. They, like, they hate me because they're like, he's a dick, but he's kind of a bad boy. Broken wing thing. I have the broken wing thing. I have the broken wing syndrome going on. So this car, I, I was living north of Portland, a house with six guys. We were paying $440 a month. This is fucking Northwest prices for a fucking big house. Ridiculous. No money. 
So one morning, I wake up to go out to work because I was working at UPS or some fucking bullshit job. And I noticed that my Volvo is totaled. And I was like, I blacked out last night. But I blacked out in my house. How did my car get totaled? Well, here's the thing. I didn't drive. I blacked out. But my roommates decided, hey, we're going to go drive through a graveyard, and Ethan's the only one with gas in his car. And so they take my car out and drive it around in a graveyard and eventually decide to start hitting some tombstones, as you naturally do when you're drinking and driving in a Volvo. They're knocking tombstones, and they get high-centered on a grave. So they just leave my car there and go back to the house. And at like five in the morning, they, de- they determined, well, you know, Ethan might be a little mad about this, seeing as we just left his fucking Volvo on top of a grave, you know, some a Civil War hero fucking his grave. So he went back and got it, came back, the car is gone. So at this point, I'm like, you know, I'm done, I'm cleaning my shit up, you know. So I, I got rid of all these guys out of the house, and I'm living in this house by myself. And I went out and I treated myself to a new car. And I bought myself a, uh, it was a 66 Ford Fairlane 500, 302 headers, small block. thing was bad. It was hot. It was a hot car, four-spanner floor. The mechanic knows. It's a sweet car. Bad car. Check it out. Sweet car. And I started dating this girl named Amber. And we, uh, oh, I like how you just moan. It never starts good when you say Amber as a girl. Uh, huh? Now A-M-B-E-R. They spell it with a Y? I don't know. So... So she, <laughs> where's yeah, where's what? So she, uh, we, uh, we were dating. She's living in Portland. I was living technically in Washington State, uh, and I was meeting back and forth. And she came up uh, to the house one day, and we had like a great day. Where I'm taking fucking, you know, drinking mirror ponds, putting fucking IPAs to the face. And then eventually at 2 a.m., it's like 1.30, I decide, wait, I need to keep this party going because I'm going to, we're going to fuck on the roof of my house. That's what she promised. It's like, <laughs> that's what she promised. I got to go get more beer. So we pile in a car and the nearest gas station is like five miles up the road. So I ripped the freeway up, grabbed four speed, fucking just faded, gone. Go up there, get the beer, come back out. And I decide I'm a romantic. I'm going to drive back this little back road back to the house and I'm driving I'm grabbing all the fucking gears I'm doing, it's like 60 miles an hour and it's like rural, like two, way, two lane country road and then it it pegs right and goes to like 25 D- dips down a hill pegs right so I naturally come into a qu- a too quick and this is a car that I spent a lot of money on on the engine a lot of like real cool car look it's really fast the one thing I didn't spend any money on was brakes it just really had no stopping capability whatsoever a big heavy American car so I come in this corner I'm fucking lock him up it tries to fucking take me into the ditch I'm not gonna let this new car get total about by some fucking pussy ditch I'm not gonna do that so I'm smart and I counter correct out of the ditch right fucking good driver I'm a great driver let's go in and face this here's the thing the bottom of the hill is northwest rain rolls the bottom of the hill I hit that was like glass it just shot me across the road and just I just remember looking over sideways and just watching tree. My girlfriend's there at the time and just tree, 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 like little four foot trees going over and I stop and it's like fucking dead silent. The car's still running. I shut it off. I click the headlights. It's pitch black. You know when you're in a wreck and you're like, what's going on? You can answer that. That's fine. We'll go ahead and take time. You're fine, Richard. I don't hate you. You're not ruining my, you're not ruining my life. <laughs> so I... 
so I really quickly, um, what I do is I look over my girlfriend, Amber, not with a Y, and I go, <laughs> I go, are you okay? She goes, yeah, my, we weren't wearing seatbelts. They were lap belts. And here's the thing, when you were in an old car, you don't wear seatbelts because they kind of are notorious for breaking pelvises and shit. You're better off just fucking going with the flow and a hit. Like, no, there's no seatbelts, no brakes. You see, I'm, I'm white. I don't think things through. So I... I get out, I make sure everything's okay, and I, I try to move the car, and I notice that it's, com- it's like stuck, and like I grab my phone, I find a flashlight, and it's completely around a telephone pole. The rear quarter panel is completely around, so I'm like, we gotta go. I grab the six pack, and I start throwing them as hard as I can. Just one at a time, I count six. I don't know, it's like throwing the whole thing and leaving. I was like, it's more important <laughs> to throw six individually, and then just like leave. So I threw all of them down a ravine, and I'm like, we gotta go, and we run up the hill. It's pitch black. I'm like, oh, what's up, pitch black? And I go up, and I ditch down into this little ditch, and as soon as I sit down in this ditch in the mud, I'm grabbing my phone out, a fucking cop stops literally right here. Gets out, like, I'm like, oh, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. And he comes up, and he strikes a road flare, throws it down on the ground, and drives down to the accident. I'm like, does this really happen? More cops come down. And I'm like, I'm fucked. I call up my phone, and I call up my buddy Charles, who's always been, like, my go-to, like, sober dude. And I'm like, listen, dude, I just told old Fairlane, I don't know where I'm at. Come get me. He goes, well, you have to know where you're at. And I was like, give me a landmarker. I was like, I drove by a, a house with like a bunch of goofy shit in the yard, like some old gas pumps. He goes, I know exactly where you're at. That's the person you want. So he drives through the roadblock. He drives through the roadblock, comes and picks me up, and I got to go, I got to get out of the state of Washington. We got to leave. But I need clothes first. So he drives me back to my house. Keep in mind, lived in this fucking house downtown in this little tiny fucking town called the Center Washington. Little tiny town. They cops knew my fucking house. They knew it was a party house. They knew my car. It was a one-of-a-kind car. So we come back, and they're out front like with flashlights trying to shine in. I'm like, ooh. So we drove up another block. I get out all MacGyver. I'm like, Amber, wait here without the Y. And I come around. I come around, and there's like a little alley. I scurry over this like 10-foot fucking fence in my backyard. They're in the front of my house. I come in the rear. I grab clothes and go, fuck you guys. And for some reason, I was a valet, and I save all my ones, and I had like $1,100 of the ones in like a suitcase. I'm like, I need this. So I left. I just ran off with ones and my clothes, a couple of albums, like a Tom Waits. I'm like, I'm going to be sad later. Like, And I ran off. I grabbed Tom Waits. I remember grabbing Tom Waits. Like, Nyhawks and Downer. I left. I left, and we, uh, we drive into Oregon, and I go, uh, Amber, uh, can I move in with you? And she goes, yeah, you can live with me now, honey. That's how I started moving in with her. So I moved in with her, and I just said, I'm never going to go back to the state of Washington ever again. It's simple. Like, ban in the car? Ban in the car, everything. So this started a big old, big old thing. So car got towed. Um, I ended up getting right up there getting out tow thing, but more importantly, it started an exchange of calls with a state patrolman. And a state patrolman called, uh, the first time he called, left a message. He goes, uh, yeah, want to call about your little accident. Finally, I call him back. It took me a couple of days. He goes, yeah, hey, listen, so you're going to DUI. And I was like, what? I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't there. Like, I, I wrecked and I, uh, and then I waited around and I left. And he goes, no, you wrecked and then you fled because uh, you know I know because the guy that you wrecked at the bottom of his driveway was down in under two minutes and you were gone. Do you recall knocking the power out to 5,000 homes, by the way? And I'm like, what? I hit a transformer during that whole thing. That's why everything was black. I killed the power to a whole grid. 
And I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. So what do I do when he tells me you're going to get DUI, you're fucking, you're going to get DUI and stuff? I go, ooh, I just hang up. That's what I do. I just hung up on him. And I'm like, never go back to say what shit. I'm just going to hang up on this guy. This came in up. So he called me up, and eventually it turned into the situation where I kind of knew he was fucking with me because he, like, like you could you could hear background noise, so you'd be like, you know, it's almost like he called me up and he go, yeah, can I get number four? Hold on, hold on, wait. You're gonna get a DUI. I'm like, whoa, Jesus! And I just hang up. He would just do this, and I just hang up on this guy. This went on for like six weeks. Six weeks. Eventually, there's a guardian angel. I have a guardian angel. Eventually, eventually. You know, it's crime enough, the car's gone. Car's completely gone. Broke, broke fucking motor mounts, fucking cracked the cylinder head. The car was gone, gone. There wasn't a straight panel on the side that I hit. The car was completely told. told. Terrible car. Great car. Terra, uh, shouldn't have wrecked it. Shouldn't have had it. Shouldn't have bought it. When I bought it from the meth head, I was like, I'm a fucking, this car's gonna have a great life. He was like, take care of her, man. I totally didn't. Like, <laughs> totally didn't take care of that. Less than a month. I feel bad. But um, one day, my, uh, my mom gets a call uh, from like one of her good friends, his name's Tim Hopkins, and he was a police chief for like a town a couple of things down. She like plays guitar, met him playing guitar and like, like helped him roll like joints with his fucking wife who has MS, he's a real cool dude. And he goes, how's your son and the whole ca- car thing, DUI thing? And my mom goes, this fucking state patrolman keeps calling my fucking son saying he's gonna get DUI. Uh, he's just a fucking dickhead. Well, he calls up the state patrolman and goes, he's a good dude, knock it off. So I get a message, and at this point, I'm not even answering his calls because I know he's going to say, you're going to get DUI, right? So he goes, uh, good luck with your car, Ethan. I'm not going to press any charges. Bye. And he hung up, and I'm like, how did this happen? Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. And it would be like all this like romantic thing. I was like, oh man, my mom really said my day. But then I really have to think about it. And it wasn't my mom. My mom didn't say my day. My mom merely just made up for what she taught me to do. My mom is not- my mom is like the most notorious drinker or driver. She doesn't get drunk at a bar and drive. No, my mom consumes beers while driving. She calls them road sodas. Fosters. Fosters are road sodas. She gets fosters because they fit completely a cup holder because she's get the tall cans, but they knock over because the Jeeps have the bigger tall can. So you got to get the fat base foster, honey, when you're driving from Bend, Oregon to Portland, which is 200 miles of drinking, by the way. So that's, I don't know, time I didn't get a DUI. Dude, oh, okay. Oh, you want to do more time? I can do some more time. I, uh, when do I want it? I don't know. We can take a road trip. My mom's weird. My mom's a weird gal. She's a weird, really weird dude. Um, I, I don't know, my whole family drinking. I could do a lot of bits, a lot of stuff about drinking. Actually, last night I had a really, <laughs> oh, last night. So uh, kind of go through, here's the situation. Here's the current situation went, and I'm gonna freelance, current situation. Uh, I live on a school bus here in San Francisco, so I don't pay rent. I don't, why is that funny? Why is my life choices funny? So I live on a bus, and I live on a bus with, uh, I currently, I guess you can call her my ex-girlfriend. So that's, so, so we're, we're, we're going our separate ways. We're in this like separate ways thing. And so I've been on this wonderful like habit of like, you know, I realize that if I go out and get drunk every once in a great moon, I'll come back and the next day she's really nice to me. So I was like, you know, last night I started drinking a stork and I went to, went into 
Santa Cruz. I didn't drive. I got fucking a road of Roman with Santa Cruz, burned a light or whatever, got drunk. Well, anyways, I came back last night uh, after drinking. She's, I came on a bus and I was like, uh, this girl, she's going to be upset I've been drinking. But what's more important is I'm going to bring back more McDonald's than she's ever seen. So I bring back those like two for dollars. I spent like fucking $30 at McDonald's last night. I come back with a bag of french fries, like one order of McNuggets, like for me. That's like food. And I'm like, I don't have food for you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh. And when I get drunk, I like walk on my tippy toes like a philosopher and I'm like a toddler. They've seen me. I'm like a drunk toddler. So I have this stuff and she's so pissed, so pissed. A, I bought all that trash out the window. B, I was drunk that we have a skylight in a bus. She like, I was handing her french fries. She goes, fuck your french fries. And she threw it out the skylight onto the street. So I'm out there at 2 in the morning up on Bryant Street, a couple of blocks from here, grabbing street french fries, going, I can't wait to get off this bus. Like, just eating, like, just so fucking desperate. Just sad. Street fries. Street fries. Street fries. Oh, man. I could do something about, we, we'll, we're going to roll back to that house before we we're gonna roll. We're gonna roll back to that house when I was living with all the guys. So, and I'm gonna talk about. Um, so we have friends. We all have friends that we we shouldn't have contact with, but we do, right? Because they're so goddamn interesting. And those two people are Kyle and Matt in my life, and I love both of them to death. Uh, Tito, I've been telling you for a while. You got a couple of Kyles and Matts. Trust me, they're just like I'm fucking with you. They're 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 good solid guys, but they're just dumb as fucking rocks. And when I was living in this house with the six guys, they were the two guys that couldn't quite scrape the money together for a room, so they got a duplex together up the street for like no money. And they're living at duplex. And one day we're day drinking. This is another drinking and driving story. And uh, also sent around a cool car. And they go, Ethan, there's a free alligator on Craigslist. Let's go get it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So we drink and drive, like day drink. We go out to this like shitty trailer park and we get, um, we, we come out and it's like, lady just like comes out really quick. Like I remember pulling up, we pull a driveway and she's like, here's an alligator. And like, whoa, like really aggressive. Like you shouldn't have like, it's almost like she, it was a bad mistake on her, real trashy lady. But it's like a cute little three foot, like adorable alligator. He's like a puppy, repetting him. He's like wagging, he wags his tail. He's like an adorable, scaly puppy. I'm like, this is an adorable puppy. And we, we put the cage in the back of the Falcon wagon, 62 Falcon wagon. I'm just for the car guy. Great car, four-door, slammed. Great car. So <laughs> didn't get wrecked in the way. So we put him in the back, and we drive to Kyle and Matt's uh, duplex. We back up. They have a garage there. We open up the garage, and we open up the cage. And Mr. Alligator, I can't remember what they named him. Mr. Alligator is no longer being that cute little adorable like pug. He's like in the back of his cage. So we're like reaching and go, hey, Mr. Alligator. And he goes, ah, chop, chop, chop. He's a mean alligator now. He doesn't like car rides. He gets car sick or something. So we just like shake him out of the cage into the garage, and we're all scared of him. So Kyle and Matt go, I'll make a temporary cage, which was a, their permanent cage. They moved burned-out couches around and made a cage for him, just a pen for this little alligator out of dirty couches. We have this there, and they're like, congratulations, you have an animal that you can never do anything with. I'm out. And this is when Kyle goes, hey, what's, uh, what do alligators eat? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, well, we don't really have any money either. And so they, they ponder us over. 
And a couple of weeks pass, and Kyle, a couple of weeks pass, I was porch, I'm drinking all the guys. Kyle's over there, and he has this like hey, fucking BB gun, and we're talking. And then like mid beer, he just fucking shoots a pigeon, and kills it. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I figured out that we have a pigeon issue, and the alligator has a food issue. We're just gonna feed him pigeons. <laughs> Done, right? That's smart. Forward thinker. You can see why I don't hang out with this guy. Forward thinker. So he's feeding this guy, feeding this guy alligator, this alligator pigeons for like months. Probably close to eight months they had this thing. Eventually a landlord comes to their house uninvited to fuck with a hot water heater, opens up, which is in the garage, opens it up, and an alligator comes on him. Like something you don't expect in a duplex. It's just like maybe a dog, not a gator. So they get evicted. So they get evicted, and uh, they're at the house. They're at my house, Kyle and Matt, and they're like, this is fucking bullshit, dude. This bullshit, we're going to fucking write the fucking department thing. Man and, man and Gator can't separate man from Gator. It's like upset. And he's like, they're, so they apply for apartments where like the pet thing is Gator, and like surprisingly, nobody accepts them. <laughs> right? Well, little they know is that the reason that woman got rid of it was because it was against the law, actually. A law was passed that month, uh, and it was a final day lady came out, rushed with it. It was against the law to have alligators domesticated for private use in the state of Washington. So Matt goes, well, I, I don't want to take them and go get them put down, man, Mr. Gator. And so he's like, he's like, I'll get rid of them. I'll go return them to like, this natural habitat. And I'm like, this is the Pacific Northwest. There's no gator natural habitat up here. <laughs> But I see him like a day later, and I'm like, what happened? He goes, I, he's like, I went and took him up, and I dropped him off in a swamp. Uh, and he's, he's at home. He's at home with his alligator stuff. I'm like, it's a dumb idea, but it's probably the best solution you had, you fucking piece of shit. Whatever. And I go on my day. But here's the thing. Not even 24 hours later, I walk in a convenience store, which is next to my house, and on the front of the newspaper stand, guess who's there? Mr. Gator. <laughs> and Mr. Gator, I'm like, whoa, fucking 50 cents, I pay it, and I pull it out, and uh, it turns out that this fucker hit the hole in one, because when the swamp he chose to drop it off in, turns out it was a duck sanctuary, <laughs> and it was eating ducks. And there was a $5,000 reward leading to the arrest and prosecution of the person who dropped that duck on that fucking alligator. So we're like, Matt, you got to come over and party at the house. We have something to tell you. We have a business arrangement to let you in on, buddy. So he comes over. He comes over, sees newspaper, and just like cries, full grown man crying. And he's just like, he's crying, and he like cheers up, he doesn't say anything. And we're sitting around, we're like trying to watch like, f like you know, people getting kicked into nads videos on the internet to cheer him up, you know, because but we're all secretly, quietly on this collective consciousness, going, one of us is going to send him to jail, and you better spread the money, right? Here's the thing, and this is this is friendship at its finest. They may wreck cars over gravestones, made alligators, but there ain't no rats amongst my crew, baby. <laughs> Motherfucker never got turned in for $5,000. This is my time. Thank you very much. All right. Ethan Albers narrowly escaping many, many terrible things. Also being eaten by an alligator. Yay! Are you ready for your headliner? <laughs> I am. Uh, your headlining comedian has had a DUI. Oh, don't leave. Leave the door open. You can smoke and listen at the same time. Because uh, this is going to be an amazing, incredible story from our headlining comedian. Hey, everybody. 
one of my favorite people and so so funny you guys can listen to him now on radiation island as well as the fifi podcast fuck everything fuck you put your hands together everybody the wonderful the amazing timothy pizza You know, uh, unlike you pussies, my DUI has nothing to do with alcohol. <laughs> um, I had a couple really great years, and I had a bunch of really bad years. Um, so in my great years, I was in a psychedelic rock band, and um, we were doing great. We were touring all over the country, New York, Colorado, Utah, everywhere in between. Um, we were doing really well. But uh, here, I got a picture for context. Uh, ah, never mind, I lost it. I can't find it. I, but anyways, I was a little rocker guy. I had hair down on my shoulders. I wore like a headband. I was scrawny. I was like a solid 100, you know, like, I don't know, 150s, 160 pounds. I was, I was loving life. And then uh, when I was a kid at Club Feet, they took care of it. Never even thought about it. Couldn't do sports. But when I'm 25, I'm in this band. And one of the surgeries on my right foot from when I was a baby starts coming undone. So I'm walking downstairs and shaking. I'm like doing this when I'm walking. It's all fucked up. Like everybody's like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, no idea. Go to the doctor. They're like, uh, you need a surgery in like two weeks. Or this is going to get way worse. So give me a surgery and uh, uh, wheelchair six months. So about a month in, I start going nuts. So they're like, oh, here, have some Zoloft. Okay, cool. So um, Zoloft is like everything I ever wanted in life. Like I was like feeling great. I was like, wow, this is, this is fucking cool. This is great. And uh, apparently like if that happens while you're on Zoloft, that means something bad's happening. Um, so after about like a month of that, like it starts getting really good. And then I start noticing that I'm like seeing colors and like other stuff, like mild hallucinations. And I'm like, tell my doc about it. And he's like, you know, most people come to us with this about a week and a half after we give them Zoloft. But uh, he's like, have you ever done acid? And I was like, oh, yeah, I've done a ton of acid. He's like, okay. He's like, that, that explains it. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, you just knew what to do. So he's like, but that's really bad. So we need to give you this whole other cocktail of meds. So they've got me on Zoloft, Adderall, Xanax, Trezodone, Lithium, and something else. I wrote them down. And uh, let's see, yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, Adderall, Xanax, Seroquel, Trezodone, Lithium, Zoloft. No, that was all of them. I got it right. So, so then I develop. The, then this, this cocktail's going fucking great now. I'm fucking awesome. Like I'm getting this shit. Like uh, I'm thinking I can like understand my friends' thoughts before they say shit. Uh, I've got this shit that they that I learned later. It's called fucking erythromania. Erythromania is fucking awesome. A car goes drive. A car goes by. You see like the right amount of threes and fours on a license plate. And it's like it tells you something. You're not sure what, but you know it's a good omen. <laughs> Twos are fucking bad. Fives, stay the fuck away. Like, this is how I was living my life. Like, completely batshit fucking crazy. Derail all my friendships. Band breaks up. Nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I got to move to Sacramento. Like, because, you know, and as I'm unpacking all my shit in Sacramento, I get a phone call from this job that I used to have. This really great job that paid a lot of fucking money. And they're like, hey, we want you back. And I'm like, fuck you. You guys are assholes. They're like, the boss died we got a new boss, and we'll pay you double. I'm like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like 90 miles from here to SAC. So I'm commuting four days a week, 90 miles each way, working 24-hour shifts. Um, so 
uh, one night. Uh, it's uh, very busy at the office. Uh, I don't get out of the office until about 3 a.m. Um, and I'm going back to Zach uh, via 101 over the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm coming up through the Golden Gate. I'm in the Rainbow Tunnel, going uphill, going uphill, going down. It's a down curvy thing. And this crazy motherfucker pulls up behind me, lights off, swerving back and forth, driving, scaring the fucking shit out of me. Like, I do, I'm scared for my life. I think this guy's going to fucking kill me. So I just swerve off into the shoulder, pull the e-brake, and stop. Then lights come on, sirens. It was the fucking cop. It was the fucking cop. They just fucked with me. They just were like, I wasn't speeding. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And they come up to the car, and they're like, roll down the window, roll down the window. And uh, this motherfucker is like two or three years younger than me. He's like maybe 23, 24, and he's just this tubby piece of shit. And he looks like, I don't know, some of you might be too young, but you guys ever read the Gary Larson comic strips, uh, The Far Side? He looks like the fat kid with the pig nose and the giant head, the apple-shaped head. He looks like that motherfucker, and he walks up, he's like... <laughs> He's like, you got marijuana in here? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I smoked it about seven hours ago, and here's my wheat card. Yeah. So he's like, okay. He's like, let me see your eyes. So he's looking at my eyes, and he's like, what the fuck is going on with your eyes? So he's like, all right, get out of the car. So get out of the car. And he's like, you need to do the field sobriety test. And I'm like, I can't. I just had a surgery. He's like, you know how often we hear that? And I'm like, do you want me to take off my shoe and show you my fucking scars? Like, I just got out of a fucking wheelchair, man. I can't fucking do the stand on one foot. He's like, well, let's do the eye thing. And he's like, looking at my eyes, he's like, what the fuck is going on with your eyes? So interested in my eyes. And the other guy's got his, like, brand new iPhone out, and he's, like, looking at it, like, looking something to do with my eyes. And, uh, you know, this goes on for a while. We're arguing about the thing. I take the, ble- the breathalyzer on the side of the road, and they're like, no, he's zero alcohol. Yeah. You know, zero alcohol. And uh, they're like, do you have any drugs on you? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I have my medication. Um, you know, and they're like, oh, what medications do you have? I'm like... Look <laughs> at the list. Uh, Adderall, Xanax, Seroquel, Trazodone, Lithium, and Zoloft. So, uh, um, you know, they asked me a bunch of questions. They're like, why are you so scared right now? I'm like, because I'm on the side of the fucking 101 with a bunch of cops asking me the same questions over and over again, waiting for me to fucking slip up. And it's like, you guys keep staring at your iPhones and snickering at each other, and I don't know what the fuck's going on here. At this point, like, I've been on the side of the road for two hours. Uh, and then I look over and realize that it's the exit to my boss's house that I'm, that I'm pulled over on. So at this point, they just handcuff me, and uh, they throw me in the back of the police car. And then they take me back to the police station. And then they take me into a storage closet. Then they handcuff me to, like, a storage rack and put me, sit me down in a chair. And then they're like, all right, we'll be back in 10 minutes. Turn the lights off, pitch black. Yeah, I hear a timer go off on his new iPhone. Brand new iPhone, timer goes off. They both come running in with flashlights shining on my face. One's got this big fucking binder, this phone book sized binder. He opens the binder. On the side of the binder, it says brown. He opens it up and it's just brown pupils. And it's, I look at these like little pupils and it's got drug combinations. It's like Dayquil, ketamine, Viagra, like fucking uh, like alcohol, marijuana, fucking uh, LSD. Every possible drug combination in a picture of the pupil. They do this for two and a half hours. Five minutes of the lights off, then run in with the light, look through the box, can't find anything. Can't fucking find anything. Cannot find a fucking thing. So I just had one of each of those pills that I ran off the list in my pocket. So that's all they had on me was one of each of those pills. And they're like, they thought they'd found fucking Walter White's blue meth. Like they thought that they had like the fucking thing. Like they were like, 
we're just going to charge you with a narcotics DUI. Yeah, so we're just going to put you in jail for a narcotics DUI, and uh, we're going to get it right because we know you're doing something wrong, basically. I'm like, all right, fine, do it. Take me to, take me to jail. So uh, they take me to jail, and, um, you know, I'm still pretty weird because I'm on all these drugs. And, uh, you know, they put me in this cell that's about as big as this room, and uh, it's got, like, glass doors, which was weird, and it's like a fucking freezer inside. I can literally see my breath. So uh, while I'm in jail, what do I decide to do while I'm in this giant room by myself? I'm like, oh, I'll meditate. You know, because these, these, these drugs had me really in tune with the universe. Uh, so I'm sitting Indian style on the floor, meditating. And I'm trying to do this like chakra toning medication, uh, meditation where like, you know, you breathe in through your mouth, out through your nose. And uh, I notice as I'm breathing in that the air goes in fine. And then it goes out like really weird through my nose. Like it wasn't like, I, I didn't have a cold, like it wasn't stopped up. So I'm like, this is weird. I think there's something wrong with my sinus. We'll get to that later. So after about two and a half hours of sitting there meditating, they come in, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? I don't have anything to read. There's no fucking TV. I'm meditating. And they're like, all right, fine, come on. So they take me and they throw me in this little phone booth sized box. Like I'm crammed in this box and there's a window across from me. And there's this lady on the other side of the window and there's like a gate through the window so you can't break the glass and kill her. Um, and uh, she's like, all right, we're gonna get you dressed in the orange, in the orange suit and then we're gonna take you to County Gen Pop. I'm like, uh, can I ask one question before you make that decision? She's like, sure. Which drug was the narcotic that you're charging me for for the narcotics of DUA? And she's like, hold on. They left me in there for three and a half more hours. Just cramped in this little box. Then they take me out of the little box, let me take a leak, and then they take me out and they're like, all right, time for your phone call. Um, they handcuffed me to a payphone. I'm like, I'm not fucking calling anybody. And they're like, you gotta, you gotta get somebody to come down here and pick you up. I'm like, no I don't. I'm like, you're gonna give me a ride back to my car. They're like, we are? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, all right, hold on. So they leave me handcuffed to the payphone, and all the new, all the cops are coming in, and they all got brand new iPhones. So as I'm handcuffed to the phone, I'm explaining to cops how to set up their email. Like, going, oh, blah, blah, just like, you know, teaching them all the little tricks. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if you hit the volume button while you're taking a selfie, you can use that to take that instead of hitting the circle. It's a lot easier. And they're like, oh, my God, blah, blah, You know, so, um, the, you know, the, the cop comes out and he goes, he's like, all right, we're still charging you with a narcotics DUI, but you don't have to go to jail right now. Um, don't leave town. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to give you a court date um, in like a month. So I'm like, all right, fine. So they drive me back to my car. Um, so I go home, and uh, I keep thinking about this thing from the meditating. Like, uh, I was like, oh, man, maybe my sinus is fucked up. So I go to uh, urgent care, because my doctor was in uh, San Francisco, but I lived in Sac. So I was like, oh, I'll just swing my urgent care. They're open until 10. I show up at 9.30. And uh, when you, uh, oh, dude, there's one thing I forgot. When I was, so they gave me a blood test at the police station. And, you know, to see if I was on drugs, you know, they like the same thing. This, so they call this nurse, man. And she is just the most fucking unhappy piece of, she looked like chewed wire and scrubs. Like, she was just awful. And she's like, what are you on? And I'm like, Adderall, Xanax, Seroquel, Trazodone, Lithium, Zoloft. And she's like, anything else? And I'm like, Dayquil. <laughs> Cop behind me starts bursting out laughing. Um, so, anyways, 
I would go back to urgent care, and uh, you know, very nice. We walk up to the counter. Okay, sir, how are you doing? How can we help you? I'm like, I think something's fucked up with my son. I can you, you know, look up there, see what's going on. He's like, yeah, sure. Uh, what's your medical record number? Zero four five seven three six six six. Type it in. Boom. See, arrhythmia. Never forget a number. Um, still kind of lingers. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, then they see your whole profile, and I think they have like, you know, uh, you know, like if you're on that list of medication, maybe like a red light starts blinking. And then, like, they act like you're a murderer's in the room. Like, they're just like, okay, it's going to be fine. We'll go. This is like all of a sudden they're helping me first instead of like the other 50 people there. Um, so they put me in a room, and she comes in, and she's like, uh, what's wrong? And I'm like, yeah, I think there's something weird with my sinus. I was meditating, and blah, blah, blah. And she looks at me, she's like, all right, I'll be right back. I hear her go around the corner, talk to another nurse, and go, God, I just want to fucking go home before loss starts. <laughs> and I'm just like, you fucking bitch. Um, so she comes back and she's like, uh, yeah, she's like, you're on all these meds? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, they think I'm bipolar, but I don't think I am. And I'm like, oh, uh. And she's like, okay, well, um, she's, like, she's like, you seem kind of upset. I'm like, well, I've been waiting here for a long time and you're acting kind of weird. And she's like, no, well, I think you're upset. And she goes away again. When she goes away this time, she calls my mom because that's my emergency contact. And I don't know what she says to my mom, but my mom signs me off for a 5150. So she comes back with a cop. Next thing I know, some dude's got me in a full Nelson and another dude's giving me a shot of something. I wake up in fucking Santa Clara in a mental hospital. Yeah, so that's a weird thing to come to grips with. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to fucking have. It. You know, like, I am fucking pissed at this point. Like, I am fucking pissed. Oh man, I left a big portion of the story out. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you one thing. Okay, okay. So after, before the urgent care thing, uh, my roommate was a lawyer. So uh, he is a lawyer. So uh, he got this thing called Discovery. He got the police report, and it was just riddled with spelling errors. Like they said, I was born in 1908 instead of 1980. Just like all this shit. So. I take the police report and all this other information from the lawyer, like the lawyer's information, and I give that to my psychiatrist because he's going to have to cough up some documents saying it was okay for me to have all these meds instead of getting a narcotics DUI. So, okay, so now I'm back. So now I'm waking up in Santa Clara, and uh, uh, I'm kind of freaking out, and the first thing I hear is like this old man weeping. He's like in a... What are those things called the gowns? Like in the gowns, his ass is hanging out, and he's like, the only reason I didn't slit my wrist is because I didn't know who would feed my cat. And I'm just like, fucking great. <laughs> hey, Pam, will you set me up? Will you set me up? Um, so I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking awesome. But then at that point, I mean, there's good in this too. I meet the hottest girl in the world. She was like, I don't know. I, I mean, I was like 24, 25. She was like maybe 18. Um, nothing happened. She was just cute. There's, I don't think I could have ever gotten my dick hard in that place. Um, it might have been something they were putting in the food or the meds, but uh, she went by Sidewinder. That's what, she <laughs> That's what she wanted everybody to call her was Sidewinder. And uh, so I hung out with, I hung out with Sidewinder, Sidewinder and watched Contacts about 14 times. And then... Uh, there was this, uh, my roommate, my roommate, uh, he was this weird dude. He was really tall. And uh, when I'd sit in the room with him, he would just sit there and stare at me with these, like, hateful eyes. And then he'd go into the bathroom and shit and scream at the top of his lungs at the same time. And then he'd cruise around the common room and be the most talkative, gregarious motherfucker you ever saw. Um, 
and the only one weirder than that was the Russian dude who was just butt naked the whole time, talking about how he was a billionaire, and when he got out, he was going to buy the place and burn it down, and all of us were welcome to come watch. <laughs> um, so I go uh, to the front desk. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I think this is a mistake. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was realizing, I was like, okay, you're not crazy, you idiot. You just were in a wheelchair too long. Like, you just had a bad fucking run. You are not one of these idiots. Like, this is like one flew over the fucking cuckoo's nest in here. So, I'm like, this is an eye opener. I need to get off these fucking drugs. I need to get my shit together. So, I'm like, I'm gonna do everything I can to get out. So, I go to uh, front desk, talk to the lady. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, you gotta go to the group classes, participate in therapy. Okay, great. Go to therapy, sit at this big round table, I sit down, everybody's sitting down, start passing out construction paper. <laughs> okay, just do it, just fucking, just fucking do it. You're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Then they hand me some finger paints. I'm like, all right. In kindergarten again, all right, okay, grown man, whatever, finger paints. And she goes, oh yeah, we want you to finger paint your emotions and how you feel. So I'm like, okay, I gotta do something cool that won't make it look too weird. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do a sun, this is good. I'm like, oh wait, maybe they'll know I'm like, I better put a dark cloud over there. You know, like just trying to like, you know, even it out. And then she goes, uh, I'm gonna uh, put on some soothing music for us while we finger paint. And she puts on uh, Jack Johnson's banana pancakes. <laughs> and uh, that's the only time in my life that I actually felt crazy. Like, I, uh, I, I stood up from the round table with all these fucking weirdos. I turned around and uh, I drop kicked a rollaway cart filled with finger paint and paint brushes and like art supplies. And I screamed at the top of my lungs. I'm like, I am a grown man. I have a career. You people are fucking idiots. And I don't finger paint. And then I ran full speed to the payphone and uh, I called my dad, I just yelling, I'm like, Dad, you need to get me the fuck out of here. And he goes, yeah, it sounds like you need to stay there maybe another day or two. <laughs> so uh, I take the receiver of the payphone and just start bashing it against the fucking payphone as hard as I can. There's just wires in my hand at this point. <laughs> and then um, this is where my life changed. Uh, first life-changing experience of all this. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what there's anything to compare this to, but if you're ever in a mad, blind rage and you're destroying a payphone in a mental hospital, um, the first thing that happens is is two guys in white come out of fucking nowhere. One of them's not holding anything, and he looks like Ethan. And the other one. He's carrying a big metal pole with a clear bag hanging from it. So I get fucking tackled by a guy about Ethan's size, like full bore, head into the wall, fucking bam. Uh, and then uh, shot out of van right into my veins. But getting tackled and drug is, uh, it's, I know I'm gonna get shit for saying this. It's probably the worst fucking thing I could possibly say, but it's somehow, some way, on some minuscule level, maybe comparable to rape in a way. Because it's, yeah, it's getting thrown to the ground and drugged, you know, against your will. And, uh, you know, I wake up tied to a gurney um, in a different room uh, the next day. 
and I've just had it at this point. Like, I'm just like, I'm just like, fuck this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, at some point, at some point in your stay during a 5150, you have to have a meeting with the head psychiatrist. So, I'm sitting face to face in this really nice office with a psychiatrist, and he's got my file, and he's like, how you doing? I'm like, this is a mistake, you need to let me out of here. And he's like, why? He's like, don't you feel relaxed? I'm like, no, this is, you know, like, I got a job, you know, like, I, 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 I'm not doing anything wrong, I wasn't drinking, I was doing everything you guys fucking told me to do. I want to be off these meds. I don't want to be doing shit. I just fucking want out of here. You know, you need to let me the fuck out of here. And he's like, eh, I think you might need to stay for another week or two. And I was like, oh, and I was like, you're holding my file? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, uh, you'll see uh, four or five days ago I got arrested. He goes, yeah. I go, turn to that part. And he goes, okay. Um, and I'm like, you see that whole form right there that says discovery on the top? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you see John P. Strauss III, attorney at law? He's like, yeah. I'm like, that's my attorney. And he's like, uh-huh. I'm like, I know I'll lose. Uh, and I'll spend every fucking dollar that I have. I'll even go into debt. But I will make your life fucking hell for the next two years if you don't let me out of this fucking place. Because I've already got an attorney. You can clearly see that. And you can clearly see that I have a fucking job and I've had this job for 10 years. And I may not have it anymore because of this. So you need to let me out. So we call me a cab. Um, yeah. He called me a cab. Um, and then I went back to my attorney's house and he had a big fat bowl of DMT waiting for me. Um, and the best part about the cab ride was uh, I made the guy stop at 7-Eleven and uh, I bought a pack of cigarettes in a Mountain Dew and I sat there with my shoes with no shoes. They never gave me my fucking shoelaces back. Uh, um, so I sat there in shoes without shoelaces and just smoked 10 cigarettes in a row because I couldn't smoke the whole fucking time I was there. Um, so... Uh, after that, I quit everything cold turkey, which is like a really big mistake. Like you don't, no, if you're on like that many drugs, do not quit them cold turkey. That made my life 100 times worse. I gained, I, I was like 160, I went up to like 225. Yeah, no, it was, it was fucking awful. It's, it's been a rough ride. But uh, at any rate, <laughs> uh, I stopped liking music when I quit everything. <laughs> Um, I felt no emotions for like a year when I quit all that shit. Like I was like, hmm, in this situation, I would, I would, I would, I uh, would think this was sad, and I like knew how to do everything. It was like making everything really post-structural, uh, post-structural. Uh, I can't remember that word, but um, anyways, uh, the only thing that uh, I could handle was listening to comedy podcasts. So that whole thing is literally why I'm standing here right now because I miss performing music. And then, uh, but comedy was the thing that put me back together. Like, listening to, like, seven different pod uh, podcasts a day was, like, how I made myself human again. It was fucking bizarre. Like, I was already so weird because of the drugs, and going off them made me, like, 100 times weirder. And then now I'm, like, sort of, you know, it's... Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm doing great though. I'm very happy. Um, but anyways, uh, so me and my attorney a month later go to go, you know, fight for the DUI thing. And uh, we show up, I'm like in my suit, I'm nervous. Uh, I've already put a couple grand into this, like getting all this shit together, all the paperwork and everything, and we get there. And uh, the first thing they tell us is to go to like 4G or something is our courtroom, and that courtroom doesn't exist. So we go to the information desk, and a uh, lady starts talking, she says something weird, and uh, my lawyer's just like, just, just go sit down, this is gonna take a minute. And then he comes back and he's like, all right, here's the deal. You're still charged with the narcotics DUI, but it's not anywhere if nobody's assigned to it. So one day for the next two years, any day for the next two years, you could get a letter in the mail that says, you're going to jail, <laughs> or you gotta show up in court, or here's your fine. So I lived in fear for two years, but nothing ever happened. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that's uh, I mean, like, I didn't actually get convicted of a DUI, but I feel like, I mean, I didn't have to pay the $10,000, but I f somehow feel like I got it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I'm Timothy Pizza. Yay, standing ovation from some of our people here for Timothy Pizza! Narcotics DUI. Turned into a 5150. Wow. My little, my little car accident just pales in comparison. It was really nothing. My silly little zip ties and my 12 hours in jail with, with Slash or Sarge, whatever the fuck her name was. Slade, Surge. Starts with an S. More alcohol for everyone. Yay. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight on Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse. Next week... I'm uh, in Boston, actually, next uh, Friday. I, I'm at the Improv Boston. But Ethan Albers is going to be holding it down for four hours of open mic. So from 6 to 10 p.m. next Friday, come on down. It's going to be a party. I won't be here. I'll try to call in and do something and be like, yay, I love you guys. You're having more fun than I am. Or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yay, thank you for being here, everybody. Yay. And uh, clap again for all of your performers tonight. Turn around and clap it up for David Zunzu Kersher running the ones and twos. Thank you, David, for running the ones and twos. We'll see you guys next week or the week after or the week after that. Yay! Bye-bye.
as far, and I'm writing to call for action. If Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon signs it, she may very well kiss her political career goodbye. She's in a bad spot, damned if you do and damned if you don't. Compliments of the good old boys in the good old party, that's GOP, where extremists rule the day. But then, it was her choice to remain a member of a party that votes against women. To contact Governor Fallon, here is her office phone and fax. I am unable to find an email at this time, but uh, when and if you call, please keep in mind that although she is part of the problem, she did not create the bill, nor has she signed it yet. It is hoped she will do the right thing. And Governor Mary Fallon, if you want to send her a letter, I'll read the address, or if you're in Oklahoma, I don't, if I have any listeners out in Oklahoma City or you know folks, go give her a visit. Uh, so Oklahoma State Capitol is at 2300 North Lincoln Boulevard, room 212 in Oklahoma City. I can send her a postcard even. Uh, it's Oklahoma City OK, 73105. Call on the phone, 405-521-2342. Again, that's 405-521-2342. Let your voice be heard. If you have a fax machine and you feel like sending a fax, why not do that? The fax number is 405-521-3353. And uh, then they have a quote from Susan B. Anthony, as there should be, I guess, in a lot of places. Uh, no self-respecting woman should wish or work for the success of a party that ignores her sex. And that's from 1872, a long time ago. The debate over our right to choose what's best for our bodies and our future will most likely outlive us. But we fight because it's what our foremothers and forefathers did for us, and it's what we must do for our daughters and their daughters. It's been said in different ways that anti-choice legislation will never end abortions. They will only create unsafe abortions. Be sure we are hashtag not going back to the alley. And not going back is the only part of the hashtag to the alleys after that. Here are 13 large and small reproductive rights organizations and social media groups to visit slash support. They can offer information and or discussion about women's rights and laws against women. Uh, Planned Parenthood, NARL, which I hugely support. I also support Planned Parenthood, but NARL more so. Uh, Pro-Choice America. Now, National Organization for Women, uh, NAF, which is the National Abortion Federation, RH Reality, UniteWomen.org, Abortion.com, that's glad that exists, uh, Fight Laws Against Women, We Are Fuse, and that's F-U-S-E, Abigail Adams Brigade, Pro-Choice Liberals, Stop Patriarchy Now, and Center for Reproductive Rights, also those last two, yes. Uh, the Guttmacher Institute is an excellent source of women's reproductive data and current legislation. Many thanks to Meteor Blades for reporting this news and for his continued pro-choice advocacy for women's reproductive rights. You can read the story here, and they have a link to that. And so we march on, and we are hashtag not going back. And you can find all the links to all these organizations on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash weeklyrev. I think it's time for some more music. Here's another song that was performed, and it's kind of angry, but also has a nice uh, beat to it. So play this music, and then we'll be back with some more stories, some positive and some... Mm, uh, we'll, 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 we'll find ways to, to make it positive. Yeah, my name is John Neffel, and I am an independent journalist based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm the, I'm the co-host of a daily podcast called Radio Dispatch, and I've got a new story in the Village Voice. Awesome. So uh, for folks who haven't read the, the story yet, um, perhaps we can uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a, a feature-length profile of two leftist activists 
uh, from New York, and uh, I followed them for several months as they prepared to smuggle themselves into northern Syria to join a Kurdish militia that's known as the YPG, which stands for the People's Protection Unit. Very cool. Wow. So how did you um, first get involved with them? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, the story really begins back in late 2011. Uh, I was covering an action um, put on by Occupy Wall Street yes. uh, in December of uh, 2011, and uh, I was arrested. Um, even though I was a journalist, not an activist, I was arrested uh, with 16 other people. And one of them was uh, a young, uh, young activist named Guy Stewart. Um, and he and I ended up spending uh, 37 hours in jail together uh, as a result of the arrest. So, you know, we had a lot of time to talk. Yeah. And uh, we basically stayed in touch uh, over the years since then. And um, in January of this year, he sent me a, a Facebook message and said, I'm doing something that you might be interested in. So uh, basically from then on, he and I were in almost constant contact. Awesome. Very cool. Um, great. So, yeah, so I guess we can uh, talk more. I mean, we can maybe go back a little bit to Occupy. I remember because I left New York uh, in 2011 in the summertime, shortly before that happened. I remember following it, and I was in St. Louis in the fall. So I was uh, remember when that was happening there, and I do remember following online and seeing even the, the photo of you with holding your glass 